0: As some of you uh, know, my luck ran out a few weeks ago when I uh, got COVID. Uh, thankfully, it was a mild case, and um, I am just fine now, but I, I did receive that COVID cough after. for It just won't go away. So if I have to bark my way through this, just don't worry, I am fine, and we'll, we'll, be, we'll be okay. Would you pray with me? Loving God, center us in this very moment, in this very place. Help us to be fully here, fully in your presence, fully awake and listening for your word this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So if there were one thing I could give to people... In my role as a a pastor, if there were one thing after all these years that I knew that I had helped people with, it would not be uh, developing a deeper faith or becoming more compassionate or more generous. The one thing I would most like to have done is to help people develop a healthier understanding of God. Because a healthier understanding of God will give us a more generous and more compassionate and deeper faith. I think how we see God affects how we see everything. If some part of us thinks that God is waiting for us to mess up then some part of us is always going to be worried. If we believe that God is a little bit scary, then some part of this world is always going to feel a little scary. And likewise, if we have a more forgiving image of God, then we will be more forgiving of ourselves and of others. So our image Of God. It matters. And as Christians, I don't think we can think about God without thinking about God the Father. Which is largely thanks to our friend Jesus, who talked about God and talked to God with with an intimacy and a familiarity that was very unusual in his Jewish culture. In the Old Testament, Jesus' Bible, we read about a God who is faithful and compassionate, but more kingly than fatherly, more majestic than personal. It's a God glimpsed in the burning bush or heard in the whirling wind. The skies declare God's glory, says the psalmist. Just the hymn of God's cloak would fill the temple, Isaiah says. And then Jesus startles us with this image of God that is still majestic and mysterious, but is also as intimate and tender as as a parent. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Matthew 6, 8. And going on a little farther, Jesus threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Mark 14, 35. For this reason the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but was also calling God his own father. John 15, 18. John 5, 18. He was calling God his own father. Just take a moment to consider the theological door that Jesus is opening here. There's such a gentleness in Jesus' relationship with God. Such confidence and trust. And then he says the same is possible for all of us. It's, the whole thing is revolutionary. In theological language, we call this contrast the transcendence and the imminence of God. We believe that God is both beyond our comprehension and outside of this world, transcendent, and at the same time, God is is deeply present and as close as our own breath, imminent. And that imminence is so beautifully modeled in Jesus. In calling God his Father, our Father. Jesus gives us a whole new way of approaching God. But it's also complicated, isn't it? Father's day is complicated. Fatherhood is complicated. And God as a Father is complicated. Complicated by our Cultural re examination of gender roles and complicated by our vastly different experiences of earthly fathers. Some of us are lucky enough to have wonderful, healthy models of fatherhood, and some of us were not so lucky. Sadly, for too many people, father implies something harsh or absent or unreliable, or even cruel. So I want to name and honor the fact that for many, the word Father is never going to be a good word to associate with God. For most of us, though, God the Father, it's in here somewhere taking up space in our theology, whether we want it to or not. So it's important, I think, to try to make our image of God the Father as healthy as possible. And as a positive, biblical image of God as a father, I want to offer this story, the father in the prodigal son story, and the visual image of this story in Rembrandt's painting, The Return of the Prodigal Son, on the front of your bulletin. There are two important things in this story that I think can help us. The first is that it presents us with an older father. Especially in Rembrandt's painting, we see a man who has experienced his share of joy and sorrow. His face is weathered and tired. His shoulders are slumped. And yet his experience hasn't hardened him as the story says, before his son can get a word out of his mouth, this overjoyed dad starts running to him, kisses him, hugs him. He cares nothing about where this boy has been or what he's done wrong. He's just so happy to see him. Age has gentled this father, wizened him, as hopefully it does for all of us. There's none of the stern distance we might associate with a young father not sure of his own authority. This is grandfatherly love, unabashedly affectionate, adoring. And it's a beautiful image of how I think God looks at us. The second thing this story gives us is a child who is also an adult. When we think of God as our father, it's interesting not only to ask how old the father is, but how old are we in that image? Because the more we see ourselves as a small child, the more likely that image is to evoke issues of being well-behaved or the power struggle issues that are inherent to parenting young children. But one can be a child of God and still be an adult. In fact, I would wager that's exactly the relationship God longs for. I bet God is constantly saying, okay, these kids need to grow up. They're making a mess of things everywhere. They never clean up after themselves. They act like this is some kind of hotel. I'm sick of it. Sorry, I have two teenagers at home. I think it's... It's all getting conflated in there. Think about how a parent child relationship often changes as the child grows up. How beautifully it becomes less about power and authority and more about appreciation and even admiration. I couldn't believe how much smarter my parents were once I grew up and had kids. So, the first thing I want to say is that if God the Father is going to be a part of how you think about God, then I want to suggest making that Father in the image older and make yourself older too. Second, let's not limit ourselves to just that one image. After all, we're talking about an unfathomable mystery that no single image can contain. Father is one deeply rooted biblical image with lots of positive qualities. But it's not the only way to name the holy. We might also try on for size God as mother or God as light or love, river, breath. Many of those are right there in the Bible. And the whole idea of the Trinity is that God is multifaceted with different expressions, all in relationship with each other, much more dynamic than we think. So get creative. My own relationship with God began to change a couple of years ago when I could tell that I still saw God too much as a disciplinarian who I was a little bit afraid of. So I started imagining God as this doting grandparent, you know, the kind that is unreasonably, embarrassingly supportive of you, who thinks you are far better than you actually are. The kind of grandparent that doesn't just love you, but adores you. And it's made a big difference. I can't say that I always am able to experience God like that, but I often am. And it's powerful. It has given new meaning to Paul's words if God is for us, who could be against us? So, one, try to think of God the Father in more grown up ways. Two, try playing with images beyond God the Father. And then, keep in mind that all of our images of God are just that they're images. Labels, they are fingers pointing to the moon, not the moon itself. And so the most important thing is always to spend time experiencing the mystery that we call God directly in times of prayer or silence, times in nature, in times of grief and loss in times of great joy and wonder. It's in these moments that there are no words for God. You don't need words. This is where we learn what our words and images for God should be in the first place, what's really true about God. That's what I think happened with Jesus I think he opened his heart so completely to that mystery, to experience it so directly, so intimately, that after that, the only language, only language of a loving parent made any sense to him. So I invite you to spend some time this week thinking about your understanding of God. And if there's any sense that God is overly stern or waiting for you to mess up or really anything other than ridiculously, embarrassingly loving, then maybe spend some time in the silence of your own heart, in the beauty of nature, in the mystery of grief and joy. It's those moments that that may change how you see God and that may change how you see everything else.